Well, hello, Heritage. I want to welcome all of you across our network to the start of our Game of Life series, which is really more of a soft launch, because we're going to take five weeks to walk through the life of Moses beyond this weekend. But for today, I want to set up that conversation and the season that we're in as a church to position us for a time of extended prayer a little bit later today. I want to do that by having a conversation about our posture. Our posture as individuals, our postures as a church. Now the fall season is a very key rhythm in the life of the church. It's a season where we have greater opportunities to advance the kingdom and bring glory to God as we interact with more and more people. And so it's more and more important to engage in seasons of prayer. And so by the time we're done today, we're going to spend some time in extended prayer in preparation for the season that's ahead. But I got to tell you, today's not a normal sermon day. This is a conversation that'll set up the subsequent conversations in the rest of our series. But let me go real deep, real fast with you, and I want to talk about a concept that'll play out through the rest of the series. You see, the followers of Jesus, Christ followers, live in a constant tension. It's a tension between what is known and unknown, between what is seen and unseen. We could speak of it in terms of a tension between certainty and uncertainty. Certain, uncertain. Uh, It's a tension between what is seen and what is unseen. And in this tension, when we experience things in life, we can drift to one side or the other. In fact, when we encounter doubt, we drift over into the world of uncertainty. And if in that uncertainty world we linger there long enough, we will end up in a posture of insecurity. In that uncertainty, we end up insecure. On the other side, in our certainty, when we head this direction, we can actually run and demand something of God, and we end up in a posture of arrogance where we're just simply arrogant. Now, the core reality within a posture of arrogance is simply the reality of pride. The core reality in the, in the posture of insecurity is fear. So when we drift in doubt towards uncertainty, we embrace insecurity, it's an expression of fear. When we, on the other side, run and demand something of God in our arrogance, it's an expression of pride. We can drift or we can demand. But what God really wants and expects of us is that we would drive. That we would drive down in our relationship with him to a posture of dependence. Of what? Dependence. Now, dependence is something that we know and understand, but we may not be able to articulate the nuances. But here we go. When we are born as as babies, we are highly dependent upon everybody around us to do everything that we need. But the more we grow and develop and learn and mature and reach adulthood, the more and more we lean into independence. And that's appropriate. That's good. That's healthy. We don't want our 40-year-old children living with us at home. We want them to move on in life. We move from dependence to independence. That's how we grow physically. But that's not how we grow spiritually. How we grow spiritually is the exact opposite. We start in great levels of independence, in our sin and in our rebellion. But then as we come to know the love of God and the purpose and the plan that he has for us in life, we move into increasing levels of dependence. 
Dependence is a place of trust. Dependence is a place that God shows up and does what only he can. We wrapped up our What If series last weekend by looking at Psalm 46.10, which captures the the words of the Lord that says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It's It's a posture of dependence. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says, In quietness and trust is your strength. So in stillness and quietness and trust, that's dependence. That's a posture of dependence. The problem is when you and I drift to one side or the other, when we have a place of, in our life where we're insecure and it's, and it's marked by fear, we've drifted from dependence to independence and we need to go back. When we're in a place of, of prideful arrogance, we're, we're demanding things of God and we're, we think we have it all figured out. And listen, when you think you have this all figured out, it's proof that you really don't. But when we're actually in a place over here of arrogance and pride, we've drifted and we need to come back to a place of dependence. A place of dependence. This is how we grow. This is spiritual maturity. Moses, in Exodus chapter 14, 14, he's talking to the people of God and he says to them, Look, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I love that verse. It's a clear picture of certainty amidst uncertainty. Now here's the deal. As followers of Jesus, our job is not to decide anything, but to discern everything. Not to decide, but to discern. When we make the choice to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we invite him into our life, and we give him authority in our life, we are predetermining to obey him. Therefore, we are to be positioned to discern not decide. We are to be positioned to to listen and obey. And a posture of dependency positions us to listen and obey. The, The reality of being a Christ follower, our job is to discern, not decide. He certainly lets us make decisions. He loves us enough to to give us space to make decisions within the lanes of his will. But when he is truly Lord, our primary posture is one of dependence should be to look to discern rather than decide so we listen and obey. And the way we do that is through prayer. Dependence is the posture. Prayer is the practice. This past week, I had the chance to sit in a meeting with some awesome Heritage Church volunteers. And when we got to the point in the conversation to open it up to some questions and answers, one of the questions I was asked was what I would recommend for them to to improve or get better or just be more effective in their role. And it doesn't matter what role they serve in or who they were or when they serve because the answer I gave them is the same answer I'd give us here today. And it's soul care. It's being sure to rightly position yourself before the Father through Jesus. To make sure you are rightly related to Jesus in a posture of dependence. So you can listen and obey. So we can hear and obey. When we can't hear him, we can't discern. We can't hear God through his Holy Spirit. We don't know how to live or love or lead. It's the posture of dependence that allows us to listen and obey. And prayer is the practice that comes out of that posture. And it's not knowing necessarily the right questions to ask, but knowing the right who to ask. Knowing who we depend on, knowing our clearly, clearer awareness of our need for him having that clear awareness of our needs so that we can actually beg of God to do what only he can do. For me, that often takes place in my prayer closet. I have a literal prayer closet space in my house. 
It was one of the only requirements I had when we moved to the Quad Cities when we were looking for a house. And so I have a space that's set aside as a prayer closet. It's the space that I run to recover. It's the space that I go to calibrate or recalibrate to living three, two, one, where it's kingdom first, others second, and myself last. It's the place I go to heal. It's the place I go to ask my questions of God, even to lament. It's the place I wrestle with what is and what is not. So in that space, practically, I, obviously, I pray. <laughs> but that's talking and listening. Talking and listening. I read. I read the Word of God. I study the Word of God. I, as I said, I lament. I cry out to God. I weep in that space about the things of this world and life that I struggle with and, and wrestle with why that even happens. In that space, I worship. I used to lead worship from a platform with my guitar, but now I lead worship only in my prayer closet between me and God, and I love it. <laughs> you may find it hard to believe that I also draw out truths and concepts on large pieces of paper in that prayer space. <laughs> but it's my place to go to live here, to reaffirm my dependence on Him, my need for Him. And he's faithful to show up every time. So sometimes it happens quickly and it's vibrant and it's just a, a, a great experience. And other times it's just slower. And we'll even show up at the very end of the time that I've set aside before my day starts to press in. And I'm like, really, God, you show up now? Or I got to go. But he always shows up and he always gives me what I need. When I stay in the posture of dependence and reliance on him, able to be certain in uncertainty. You know, we are either dependent upon God or dependent upon something else. We're created by God to be slaves to God. And He loves and He never abuses that relationship. It's a beautiful relationship to sit as a slave to the Father. But if we're not a slave to God, we're a slave to someone else or something else. And that's always complicated. Even the Israelites wrestled with that relationship with God. In one particular occasion, they, they were rescued out of famine. God led them into Egypt. He, he, he gave them blessing and favor. In fact, it was through the favor that he gave Joseph that the Israelites were able to enter into Egypt and settle in that space and have blessing and favor beyond what they could have imagined. But in that space, they were comfortable. And in that space, they drifted towards independence. And in that space, they became slaves to something else. They became slaves to Egypt. Now, I don't know how much of it was insecurity and fear or arrogance and pride, but I do know they became slaves to Pharaoh. And I know that Pharaoh struggled with insecurity and fear and arrogance and pride. It's the reason he oppressed the Hebrews. It's the reason he enslaved them. And it's the reason that he directed that all babies born to the Hebrews that were male were to be killed. Now, there were a group of midwives who chose dependence, and they didn't do what Pharaoh said. And God granted not only protection for them, he granted them favor. In fact, he allowed them to go on to have families themselves. But the nation as a whole drifted into independence and became, became slaves to something they were not to be slaves to. You know, last week, we talked about how comfort can compete with contentment. 
They're not necessarily always linked. Contentment is about our purpose. And comfort often competes with our purpose, competes with the things of the kingdom. Contentment's about purpose. Contentment's connected to Jesus. Contentment comes as we pursue his purpose, as we not chase comfort, but chase conquering, advancing his kingdom for his glory, not seeking to build our own little kingdoms in our own comfort. And the nuance that happens in this dynamic is when we choose to embrace comfort in this situation, it comes out and is expressed as isolation and control. So that when I am uncertain and insecure, out of fear, I will isolate myself and try to control situations because I'm afraid of what might happen. On the flip side, when I have great confidence and certainty of what I can see and there's an arrogance and a pride to it, I will still isolate myself out of pride, but then I will control things out of arrogance because I think I know how it's supposed to be. Both of those are postures of independence. Both of those preclude God's ability to work mighty great things in and through us. But it only takes one person willing to position themselves in the posture of dependence to hear and obey. And that person in that part of the journey for the Israelites was Moses. And we're going to spend the next five weeks looking at how Moses lived in this tension of certainty amidst uncertainty and how he allowed God to use him to lead the people of Israel. See, God led the people publicly through Moses, but God led Moses privately in a posture of dependence. You know, I, I know from reading Scripture that God went before the Israelites on multiple occasions. But I also know that God is going before us. That, that means huge opportunities and huge challenges. But it also means seasons of change. And one of the ways that we as a church family are engaging in the next season and embracing change is seeking to function more and more effectively as a network, as one church in multiple locations. See, God has positioned Heritage Church to love and serve the families of the Quad Cities in a manner so that they grow into the fullness of life that is available in Jesus. We're positioned to do that. One of the verses that God drew my attention to early on in my leadership journey here is Jeremiah 29, 7, where he says, Seek the welfare of the cities. Seek the peace or the shalom of the cities where I have sent you. God is positioning us to seek the welfare and the peace and the shalom of these cities as we love and serve the people of the Quad Cities and the greater region. But that means we have to get better at functioning as one church in multiple locations to reach the, the, the 200,000 people who do not walk with Jesus just within the Quad Cities. Now, I want to be clear about something. I am not looking for, uh, to, to build something. I'm trying to create something, to start something that outlasts us. I'm not trying to build a monument. I want to build a movement that outlasts us, that ripples for generations and ripples into eternity. So I'm not looking for our church to get bigger. I'm looking for our church to go further, to advance the kingdom further. And the only way that happens is when we live in dependence, the posture of dependence, engaging in the practice of prayer. Now, one of the ways I see God moving and I'm most excited about is how he's moving in our next generation, specifically in our children's ministry arena, or what, what we call Go Kids. And this summer... Meredith Brower, one of the ordained pastors on our staff, has been providing leadership across our network and our entire kids' ministry. And I want you to know that moving forward, she's going to continue to serve in that role. So I want to give you a chance to hear from her and hear her heart. So would you join me in welcoming Meredith to the platform?
friend. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Thanks for making time to come and sit with us and share a little bit. Thank you. You have been part of the ministry team for almost four years. You have a bachelor's degree in Christian education. Mm -hmm. You have a master's degree in educational ministries. Mm -hmm. You have primarily served at our Bettendorf campus, but this past summer I asked you to take on the role of helping us function better as a network in our children's ministry arena. So I would love for you to start by just sharing a little bit about your perspective around the network paradigm. We've really enjoyed working as a GoKids staff team together. We really did it to create greater efficiency. We saw several processes that we were repeating at all three of our campuses, and we thought, what would it look like if we began working together and became more efficient? And we found some great things happened on top of being more efficient. That efficiency actually allowed us to be able to focus more on the people side of ministry. And the other, another win that we saw was when we began working together more and focusing to more people at the table, just like anything. Whenever you get more people in on a conversation, all of a sudden creativity and innovation begins, begins to explode. So we've loved doing that and also being able to create more time for the vision pieces that we're heading towards in the next season. Yeah, there's this principle within this network paradigm that we're more together than we are apart. Right. That essentially exactly. we're better together. Exactly. And, and, and living into the network reality is really us living out part of the vision to really love these cities to life in Jesus Christ. So as, as you look at this next season, what maybe would be one challenge or one obstacle, one of the greatest challenges or obstacles for this coming season? Well, I think one of the things with kids' ministry is we've looked at some statistics and things that we've watched as kids grow up in the church and in Christian homes. We've also seen that many actually abandon their faith in in adulthood, and that is so heartbreaking. And we in our kids' ministry think, how can we do this better? So with that challenge creates opportunity as well. And a couple of opportunities that we have seen as we've watched some recent research done with kids in church and watching how um, kids that continue through their faith through the teenage years and into adulthood, something we call lasting faith, we've seen some common threads that existed in childhood and in their teen years. And so what we've learned some about what can happen in homes and in churches to help lasting faith happen. Much of that revolves around the power of role models and two areas that we as a church can continue to strengthen our, our parents actually, just like Pastor Sean was talking about Uh, parents' dependency and commitment to their own personal spiritual journey actually has a strong connection to their child's lasting faith. And then another area with the power of role models is also the, the relationships that they have outside of their immediate family. So other adults, older teens that are role models for them and investing in them spiritually has a huge impact on lasting faith in kids. So I think those are two great opportunities we have as a church, as we build parents and also build up leaders around kids, helping them to keep their lasting faith. Yeah, because at the core of our discipleship process, or what we call our spiritual transformation journey, is, is not just to disciple adults to be dis- disciples, or even just teens, but to really have a journey from birth to death, 
exactly. where we increasingly look more like Jesus, we increasingly are positioned to lead others into relationship with him, and we're all becoming multiplying disciples. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's kind of an exciting thing for me. When oh, I, I believe that can, that's part of the way these cities are transformed and live into the fullness of life that they have in Jesus. So here's the deal. As you step into greater leadership in this arena, you're going to have more presence around every part of our network, and you're going to primarily do that out of our Rock Island mm -hmm. expression. So what are you most excited about as you think about this next season from that perspective? Yeah, I am really excited about what God is doing at each of our campuses and how God is working in the lives of kids and families. If I could take a minute just to talk to the Bettendorf campus for a minute, I want you to know that I love the Bettendorf community. And it has been an honor and privilege to have been your kid's pastor for the past four years. It's exciting to see the next season for you, actually, because we are bringing in Stephanie Ward, who has been on our kids' staff for as long as I have, a little bit longer than I have. Um, and she's going to come and be your kids' pastor at the Bettendorf campus. And I'm telling you, you are going to love her. You're going to, she loved the fact that she is super passionate about kids and families, but also incredibly gifted and incredibly called to ministry. So I'm excited about that transition. The good news is, is you haven't seen the end of me. I'm going to still be around. So with that, and also our active members currently serving today in our Go Kids arena, they are going to continue to invest in the areas that they are serving, but also being able to feed into our network, the areas where they are, their greatest level of expertise and um, passion. So I'm excited to see where we're next steps are going to be in the coming season. Yeah, I, I, I totally see this as an exciting time. Uh, Stephanie's a rock star. She and, is. And she's she going to do great. And, and I love to see God's hand and anointing already on the Go Kids team as we continue into this network paradigm. And I'm excited. But I also realize that some of what we're talking about is just the reality of change. And every time there's change, there's a ripple to that change. And I want to just remind and invite all of us back to calibrating to a dependency on God in a posture of prayer where we keep 321 as the priority list, that it's kingdom, others, then self. The only way we resist the changes that advance the kingdom are when we're living something different than 321, when we're positioning others or ourselves ahead of kingdom priorities. But as long as we keep it kingdom, others, self, then we can lean into change, we can lean into the things that God's doing and see him do even more. Now, Bettendorf, I realize that there are probably some specific questions you have, but I want you to know that Pastor Justin's going to speak directly with you in a moment when we're done here. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to pray. And this prayer will set up some more worship and set up our extended prayer time today as a family. But I'd love to hear from you, Meredith, what, what would you recommend, how would you recommend the church family pray in this season particularly? Sure. A couple of areas, if you would be willing to pray with us for just the effectiveness of these role models and these people serving in our Go Kids team and pray that we could continue to take step forward and set our kids up well for lasting faith. And the other area also is that God would stir in the hearts of people within Heritage to become role models for kids and families and also simply to be able to see that that one hour a week serving in with our kids can be the most wisely important investment of time for their whole week. So it's a great opportunity, but ask that you would pray for us as a team. Great. I ask you to pray specifically for those things that Meredith mentioned. Include in that us as a church as a whole, that we would truly have a posture of dependency as we pursue him. Because this next season will require his power at work in us. It will require us to stay connected to him and not to drift to that insecurity or to run and demand something out of our certainty and the arrogance that can come out of that. So 
Please engage in those prayer moments. They're essential for this next season. And I want to take a moment now to pray as we get ready to step into the next moment. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather as a church family. I love what you do in these spaces. I love how you speak and move and you reveal yourself. I thank you, Father, that even in the midst of a dynamic tension between certainty and uncertainty of what is seen and unseen, you're faithful in that. You show up in the midst of it and you provide peace when we sit in stillness, when we sit in your presence, when we choose trust in you. Father, may you help us to live that posture of dependency as individuals but as a church. May you have your will and way in us and specifically, Father, in the Go Kids arena, I pray for the teams, I pray for the role models, I pray for the kids to have lasting faith, Lord, that, that they would come to know you and love you in an early age and never wander from that. And that you would use the boys and girls that are currently in our Go Kids ministry to be catalysts of change around this world for you, to see your kingdom come and your will done. So, Father, I thank you for Meredith and, and, and her team. I pray that you would continue to equip and empower her and go before her and the leaders she walks alongside. For, for you to do what you want in and through that part of who we are as a family and in this next generation. I love you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.